uh, we're in a liturgical season called Advent. How, how many come from uh, some kind of tradition where you observed Advent? I just want to see. Okay, yeah, a few of us. I'm assuming the rest of us, yeah, it's something that is brand new to us. But I just want to say this, like one of the most beautiful things about um, the Advent season, and I was telling Nick this a little bit earlier, and by the way, I didn't grow up in a tradition that uh, practiced uh, Advent or observed it very much, although I did have family members that did, and I was always inspired by it. So it's relatively new to me. But here's the beautiful thing about uh, the liturgical calendar. I think it's something that we're, you would think that the liturgical calendar would be this thing that uh, makes us more deeply spiritual, which it does in one sense. But I actually think the liturgical calendar reminds us of what it means to be human. It reminds us that uh, there are seasons to our lives, seasons to our year. And so the way we often live as human beings, how is it? It's earning, it's achieving, it's working toward something. And one of the most beautiful gifts that a liturgical calendar gives us is a moment to pause and go, wait a minute, it's not all just about doing. It's about being, too. And I think, this, I've heard someone say it like this, and I think it's so helpful. We live like factories when we're actually, we should live more like fields. Um, that's the way when Jesus talks to us in these scriptures, he teaches us that human beings are more like fields. There's these moments where we plant seeds, where we work in the soil of our lives in some way, where we grow and, and things come out of the, the soil of our lives, but we're not factories. And we live in a world that uh, often we're convinced that that's what it means to be human. And this calendar is a beautiful thing that invites us back in to know this is what it means to be human. So I think it's something that's so beautiful. And so we, we want to invite you guys into this season this morning. But first of all, just let me say hello. Thank you guys for being here on December 3rd. Um, there's a Titans game going on today, and you all made a decision to come here. So if you're rooting for the Titans, maybe God will be for your team. All right, because you showed up at church. I don't know that because there's someone meeting in another church that's rooting for the other team, right? So I don't know how God works all that out, but that's a crazy thing to think about. But I'm glad you're here. And just a couple things that today and this whole month, um, we, uh, we typically work with the school during this season. Like there are kids in the community here of Gower that need support and gifts. And we have joined an organization, many of you know, because you were here when... Um, Adam Rizard was here from uh, Operation Andrew, and <clears throat> we became a part of that organization that works with metro schools all around Nashville, and their kind of, uh, their community of all the different people that they work with, before we even got to this, all the needs were met in Gower. So we're like, oh my gosh, like that's kind of like our big Christmas thing, like what are we going to do? And after talking with our leadership team, we decided that we were going to support our local food bank this whole month that that would be a beautiful way um, for us to give a beautiful gift. So you could do that all throughout the month by a gift card from Aldi's, Publix, or Kroger. And Annie, who's sitting right here, works with them. And um, we do this at least once a month. But I even set a goal. Like, what if we give them $1,500 um, from this little community? So would you think about that just as something extra? I know Debbie and I um, are going to do something ourselves. But that'll be out there uh, the next... To, yeah, next two weeks, and then on Christmas Eve, we will not be gathering here in the morning. We're going to be gathering at 4 p.m. at the Bellevue Community Center. It's one of our favorite services of the year. 
So it's about an hour. We'll have some candle lighting, and all the kids and adults will be together, and we're just going to have a joyous time. So that's what's coming up this month. But now, um, Advent, there are these candles that go along with Advent. So those of you who have never been a part of it, you have no idea what these candles mean. So just let me tell you. Um, we've got four candles, three blue, one pink. Um, these blue candles... Uh, symbolically, Nick, Nick kind of referenced this around the world. There are two point, over 2.3 billion Christians that are going to be reading some of the scriptures that we're reading today, are going to be lighting candles. And they take a Sunday and they focus on hope. They focus on love and joy and peace. Because that's what Christ brings to our world. So today we're going to focus on the candle of hope. And um, at the end of the service, there's a family... Uh, the Joneses are going to come up, and they're going to light this on behalf of all of us. And then um, on Christmas Eve, by the way, this white one is the Christ candle. We're saving that for Christmas Eve. We'll light the candle of peace, and then at the end, we'll light the Christ candle, which will be right in the middle. So this is just a symbolic way to say, hey, our lives are held and entrusted to something larger than just our own doing and our own you know, being able to care for ourselves. There's something much greater that is caring for each of us. So uh, we'll, we'll get to these in just a moment. But let me start off here. Uh, what is Advent? Advent comes from this word, Aventus, out of the Latin. And here's what it means. It means waiting and longing. Um, and Nick, Nick even refer, referenced this. It isn't, we're kind of joining people before Christ who for thousands of years were hearing about this promise of a Messiah that was going to come to the world and was going to make some kind of difference. And then here we are, 2,000 years after that Christ has come, and there's still waiting and longing that is going on. So, uh, by the way, that song was so beautiful. And what I could not help thinking, um, I got a little bit overwhelmed, I got teary-eyed um, during that song, that happens to me a lot. But I was thinking about how often on my journey, how Christ has been present in some way that's made all the difference. Often in tears for me, going all the way back to a little boy that was grieving the loss of his father and finding in my moments of grief and sadness that I would eventually cry and would feel comfort and peace. And I got real comfortable with that as a, as a young man. It's okay to cry. Like That's actually something that's very helpful. But I was thinking not just about me and how Christ has been present to me in some way, but I was thinking about all of you. I was thinking about the world that we live in, how we all are longing and waiting for something. And I believe with all my heart that Christ is still coming to people like me and you in moments of desperation and darkness and struggle and revealing his presence and his love and his care upon our lives. So I want to start off by saying this. We all have something we're longing and waiting for, right? Yeah. Um, and if it's not for us, it might be for someone else that we love, or it might be for something larger that is happening in the world. So Christ is still coming, and we still need Christ to, uh, to come to us in some way. But that word, eventus, means arrival, and it's arrival of something that has not fully happened yet. But here's what I want you to know, and many of us maybe could testify to this, as much as I know Christ still needs to come, there is healing, there is redeeming, there are things that need to happen in my heart, in my life, and in your heart, in your life, in the world that we live in. Um, 
He has been coming. And he's had has made a difference. And I hope that you're experiencing that in some meaningful way. And if you need it now more than ever, I hope that this Advent season will be a way to experience that. But God started something in Jesus 2,000 years ago because these prophets, they were... They kept reading these ancient uh, oracles and they were saying, there is this coming Messiah and he's going to begin to turn everything around. And so they're hoping for this. And then Jesus comes and God begins to answer this, but it's not fully answered yet. And here's the crazy thing, because it's not just dependent upon God coming in a human body in one human being named Christ. It's actually dependent upon all of us the presence of Christ in us, and us embodying that in some way to each other and to the world around us. It's like this is the way God chooses to work, through people like me and people like you. So can I just say this? Christ's coming is not just so that we could feel better or that we could have prayers answered in our lives. Yes, that is that too, but it doesn't stop there. It's so that when, as those things begin to happen, then we begin to become those kinds of things to the world around us. So here's the thing. The world is dependent upon Christ's presence, and God is doing his part, and then we also have to do our part in some way. But Advent, it's waiting and hoping, and it's the beginning of a story that is not finished yet, and we're all a part of that. But here's the thing about this Advent season, before we can get the joy of Christmas Eve, we have, to, we have to wait here in the longing of this, which isn't easy. It does not come natural to us um, to be in places maybe where we lament or maybe where we talk about uh, despair or the things that we struggle with. But this is part of the Advent season. We have to make room for a lot of different expressions that I would argue are going on in all of us. It's not pure joy. And what we could do is A lot of times in spiritual places, we come and we go right to joy, and we bypass the struggle. We bypass the longing. And so Advent gives us a place to go, we're going to get to joy, and that's part of getting there is being together and doing this together. But let's not go there without actually getting in touch with the places of longing and aching that we hold. So it's hope and joy. It's longing and aching. It is lament and peace. These, all these kinds of things are happening in this season. It's woundedness and healing going on at the same time in us. It's darkness and light. Advent is about all these things kind of converging together. Here's where hope comes in, and here's where hope can be so helpful. Hope has to grapple with what's wrong in the world. If hope doesn't grapple with what's wrong in the world, it's blind optimism, which just ignores And here's here's what I'm discovering. As painful as it is to look at the ugly things of the world or the ugly things of our own lives, um, one of the things that gives me hope, because I doubt some of those things. I don't know if you look at what's going on in the world, if you guys ever have days of doubt, and maybe you're going, why are we listening to George? Because he has doubt. Yes, that's a part of this journey. But here's what I'm learning to trust in. Um, The fact that I doubt is a reminder to me that I am actually in tune with reality. And that's a good thing for a human being to do. Because if I didn't doubt, then I would not be paying attention to what's going on around me. I would not be paying attention to what's happening within me. So there's something about doubt 
that reminds me, yes, my heart is firmly grounded in this world that I live in, and as much as there's things that I'm hopeful for and there's things that I'm working toward, there's a lot of painful things that are broken, and I have to be in touch with those things too. So hope grapples with that. That's what's happening in Christ when he comes to the world. It isn't in an instant everything's gone. It's like this is the beginning of things being put back together. That's the kind of hope that we need for ourselves. It's the kind of hope that we need for each other. It's the kind of hope that we need for the world. But here's the way this writer, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, says, and I think this is where we start in Advent. Those who learn to wait are uneasy about their way of life, right? Because there's something that we're waiting for, and it's frustrating. I have things in this season, you guys, that I am desperate for God to meet me in, to touch this heart in this life. I'm desperate to see it happen in you. I'm desperate to see it happen in the world. So there's this uneasiness about this. As much as we're looking forward and hope, there is this uneasiness. But yet have, we've seen a vision of greatness in the world of the future and are patiently expecting its fulfillment. See these things going together? The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward to something greater to come. Okay, I love this. Troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, but yet look forward to something greater to come. Um, I'm not going to ask you to stand up for all of you that identify with that or raise your hand, but I'm going to say I think that would include all of us in this room. This kind of thing is happening in our hearts and in the world that we live in. So, um, this brings up meaningful questions to me. Here's the questions I'm wrestling with this Advent. I want to pose them to you to think about for your life. What stands between who we are and who we want to be? What are those things? This Advent for me is naming those things and inviting Christ's presence into those places of my life. I know who I am, but I also know who I want to be. It's grappling with the imperfection, but knowing there's something better that um, we're aiming toward. Or how about this? Maybe it's uh, what comes between where you are and where you want to be. What, it, what is that? And uh, I want us in this Advent season to go, let's name that. Let's know it. I would hope no one's going to do this, because um, I wouldn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but I would hope we'd have the kind of community that someone would come up and go, what is your thing? What is it that you're waiting on? What is it? And, and we would just know it. And we're going, that's what I'm holding in my heart. That's my prayer. That's what I'm trusting Christ to bring his presence to in my life. Um, and, you know, some people have challenged me. Maybe we should be that kind of community right now that would just ask those questions. And we would have some kind of answer. But who is it? Who are you? And who do you hope to be? Know you're supposed to be. Or where are you? And where do you hope you should be? And what are those things that are standing in the way? And here's the most beautiful thing. Yes, there's some work that you and I have to do in that. I'm finding I cannot escape that. There's some courage that uh, has to come from me to step toward those kinds of things and to go, you know what, as difficult as it is, I'm going to begin to move toward it. And I'm going to do what I can do to try to grow in that toward this thing. But here's the beautiful thing 
that none of us are left to just our own devices or figuring this out all by ourselves. We have each other. That's why if we could share it with another, someone could witness to it. But here's even the larger thing. The larger thing is that we could ask God for help. There are things that I'm doing the best I can, but I absolutely need God's help to actually live more fully into. So our prayer is, God, when I do everything that I could possibly do, can you help me? And why I was in tears just a few moments ago is because I've actually learned to trust that God will be present in times of struggle, that Christ does come to us in difficult moments. And sometimes it's when you get way beyond them and you look back and you go, man, I didn't exactly feel it in the moment, but now I look back on it and I don't know how I got from there to here. Like, those kinds of things still happen in the world that we live in. And what we need to do in community is remind each other of these kinds of things. Um, Victor Frankl, anyone know who he is? A wonderful human being in history. Um, he was an a Austrian uh, psychologist, but he was actually, uh, uh, he, he was, wasn't he in, in the Holocaust? Yeah, so he, he was actually in prison with, uh, with other people. And he says this, and I, I want you guys to just think about this. He says, when we are no longer able to change the situation we are challenged by, we are challenged to change ourselves. So if there's something in your life, something in the world that just drives you bonkers, and you can't change that, the most healthy way to respond to that is what in me can change that I could be a better response to this in some way. Victor uh, Frankl says this is the way prisoners got through the Holocaust because here's what they would do. He called it provisional existence. They would set dates like we want to be out by Christmas and then Christmas would come and they would not get out and something in them would die and then they'd go well, we're going to be out by Easter and then Easter would come, and they'd still be in prison, and something more in them would die. He called that provisional existence. I'm talking about something uh, beyond that, that maybe those dates and things that we hope for can come and go, but what we are holding on to is something in us is changing in the midst of us. I have a friend, Scott Reel, um, many of you know, and he, uh, he says it this way. He says it real simple, but he says, when circumstances don't change, we must change. And I've heard him say that 250 times, and I'm trying to practice it myself. When circumstances don't change, we must change. Okay, but I want to come back to this. It's us doing our work, but it's God doing his work through our work too. So we, it's not just us mustering it up. Hold that for a second, because I want to read this uh, to you out of the text, because um, Nick was saying today that there are people all around the world like us that are reading this text today. So we're joining not only all the people that came before us who heard about this Messiah's coming to the world, um, you know, before Christ came to earth, and then all the people that uh, have come after Christ, we're all reading this together today. And this is the starting point of Advent. It's Isaiah 64. And this is a prayer of Israel, but I'd say it's our prayer too today. Um, Right at the, just two verses here. It says, Oh, that you would render the heavens and come down. It's the prayer. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. We don't use that word rend very much. But essentially, rip open the heavens, God, and come down. Um, there's something in my heart, in my life. There's something 
in my orbit that needs healing and needs change? God, there are things in the world. And God, will you not come down and show yourself that we're not alone in this? This is the prayer of faithful people throughout the generations. And it's the prayer of us here today. And if any of us have given up on that prayer or that God acts in some way, um, that's where we need each other. Because there's probably going to be days and weeks and months and seasons of our lives where perhaps some of us will give in to not believing it. But maybe there's someone sitting right next to you or someone that's in the same prayer or worshiping with you or that you interact with that's going, you know what, I was in the same place. And it's trustworthy. So you know what? You may not believe it, but I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to believe it for you in this moment. That's what community um, is all about. So there is this, God, please, please come to bear in my life, in the thing that I'm waiting and longing for. And here's the other part of it. Hear me on this. If it will not change, what can change? We can. We can. That is our hope. That no matter what, we can be changed even when things around us do not change. So there's always reason to hope. Um, this uh, guy, Henry Nowen, he talks about, because um, I know you see our, our title up here, it's called Arrival at Home. I want to try to work out these two words throughout this Advent season, arrival of Christ's presence, but also what does home mean for us? Um, I think we're all trying to find our way home. And he says this about home. He says, I leave home every time I lose faith in the voice that calls me the beloved. But there are many other voices, voices that are loud. These voices say, go out and prove that you are worth something. Does anyone hear that voice ever? Is that ever a nagging voice in your heart and your head? Can I just confess to all of you that is the most nagging voice in my head right now, is that my entire being is that I have to go out and prove something, that I'm worth something. Even doing the work that I'm doing, it's about proving something. Anytime I listen to that voice more than I listen to the fact that I'm beloved and I'm okay where I'm at. And yes, there's things that need to grow in me, things that need transformed, things that need healing. But I'm never going to get there if it's I'm trying to earn or prove those things to be more healthy and whole in my life. I'm going to get there when I can rest in the voice that calls me the beloved. And when I could have people like you in my life that in spite of my shortcomings would go, you know what? He is worth something. That's, that's the gift that we give each other. That's a, another way that Christ is present to us. All right, so if in some way um, life has become about earning or striving or proving, um, what in this season, what if in this season, and listen, that's a part of our lives too. I don't, I'm not saying we eliminate that, but what if we just for a moment go, there's another part of our lives, and it's finding home in the Beloved. And truly believing that we're loved and we're getting help from beyond ourselves. Um, I think this would be a beautiful way to spend Advent. One more text I want to read to you out of the Psalms. And then we're going to uh, sing a song and we're going to light this candle. But uh, Psalm uh, 6. 
This is another prayer of people like you and I. So we're identifying with these people in the text. And we're identifying with each other. But uh, Psalm 6, verse 2, it says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Anyone ever feel that? Like you're just, you're worn out. Tired. Weary. The psalmist says, Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. You ever watch the news and just feel like your bones are in agony? Like I just can't, I can't take anymore. Perhaps there's things going on. We don't need to watch the news. We just look at the news of our lives. It's like, um in agony. Some, for some of us, it's physical. Some of us, it's emotional healing. Some of us, it's spiritual healing, or we're feeling um, agony in the dryness of our spirituality in some way. Verse 3, my soul is in deep anguish. And here's the prayer that I think is true of these ancients thousands and thousands of years ago, but I think it's true for every single one of us here in this room. How long, Lord, how long? Is that not the prayer that in our most honest moments that we all pray? How long? How long do I have to suffer this? How long do I have to live in this agony? How long do I have to cry out for this healing in my body in some way? How long? Um, I want you to think about that, that prayer for you. And maybe some ways that we can trust that with each other. I'll be inviting us to that over these next uh, several weeks. But just something we could do right now, uh, today as we leave. The first thing I want to encourage you to do, in that prayer of how long, will you please not stop praying? Please do not stop crying out. <laughs> because that is the invitation for Christ and God to be present in some way. And I know the agony of crying out continually. And I know... For me, it's start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. It happens for someone like me. I'm sure it happens for someone like you. But we cannot stop praying that prayer of how long because that is the beginning. That is the opening of our lives to the kind of power that really can bring transformation to our lives. So do not stop praying. And if you're like me, the start and the stops, it's okay. That's being human. And remember what I said earlier, when we doubt, that's actually a sign that we're paying attention to reality. And the truth is, sometimes our lives are really ugly, right? And it's like, so when we see the ugliness of them, instead of backing away and going, they can't change, what if we went, God, thank God I'm seeing reality? Because there are a lot of people who are oblivious to the fact that something needs to change in their lives. So hope is going, yeah, I see it. I'm seeing reality rightly. But what we need is to not give up on that prayer. That's where we need each other um, most meaningfully. And here's the second thing. Can you create something out of that prayer of how long? What can you create? What could you make out of that longing that not only helps you, but helps others or helps um, the world around you in some way? By the way, this psalm that we just read that says this prayer of how long, that's creative. That's someone taking a longing of their heart and go, I'm going I'm to make some poetry out of this and I'm going to write it out so that maybe it could be shared with people like us 2,000 years later and go, maybe it'll matter something to them. So even you and I here today are benefiting from the creativity or the prayer of someone's how long prayer, right? And I think that's not stopped. That's going on continuously. And we can all 
be a part of that. Now, here's how I know that. And this is where it comes back to you, not, not to me. I'm a part of it, but I want to point towards you. There are certain kinds of waiting that enlarge us. There are certain kinds of waiting that we can change and become better and become more of what we hope to be. And here's the thing I discovered. We often can't see it in ourselves. It takes other people seeing it in us. Um, And I want to name some people that are sitting here in the room and some that aren't sitting here in the room. Nick, my good friend, sitting back in the back. Um, had a horrible incident years ago where him and his partner went into a river. His partner didn't make it, and Nick did. And he lives with the grief and the pain of that every day, hearing his partner cry out for him. And so he lives with that. How long is that ache? How long am I going to hear that cry? How long am I going to hold that in my heart, the pain of that? Why me? Why, why him? And so Nick takes the cry of that, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to create something that is going to help care for people who have gone through the things that I've gone through. And so he started an organization called Restoring Responders, and they're going to create space where they're going to bring people together, and they're going to just love on them and help them heal in some way. That's what you do with a how long prayer. You create something out of it. And you don't stop praying how long. Um, Scott Real um, started an organization called uh, uh, Restore Small Groups. And they're doing healing groups all around the world. And it all started from an ache in Scott's own heart. And he's like, all right, I can just learn what I can learn. Or I can invite other people into this. So he creates something, these experiences that bring people in. And for the first time... They look more deeply at their lives and go, what might be able to change? Like, what if we just, what happened if we got in a room and we began to look at that? And we heard Christ going, if I can make something well in you, what would be made well? Isn't that a worthy thing to do? And then just watch what happens. And so um, I just got a report. I'm on the, the board for Restore. I just got a report. Hundreds of people in Africa, kids in schools are going through this training and they're finding healing in their hearts. And I'm just like, wow. A how long prayer turns into this creativity that now is going around the world. And by the way, if you know Scott, it was not like intentional. It was like a master plan he drew up on the board. It's just like, I'm going to go do this. And like, God just takes it to all these beautiful places, which I absolutely love. Um, Stacia's not here this morning. But her are aches for, uh, for kids um, that are in uh, our juvenile system, and specifically girls that just don't have someone loving them or guiding them, being mentors to them. And so she holds that how long prayer. How long are we just going to watch people go to waste? And she goes, we're going to become mentors. We're going to get engaged with that. Brenda, um, Tim who played bass, Brenda's not here this morning, but Tim who plays bass with us, she lost her husband 10 years ago on the church that I was a part of. He was an elder on her board to suicide. And instead of going, man, I don't want to, I want to get as far away from that as I possibly can. She runs back into the pain of that and crying out in her own heart, how long, how long will I carry the grief of this and the pain of this? And yet she runs back into it and goes, I'm going to become a part of an organization called the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. And we're going to join people who are suffering in some way. And we're going to create a healing space for people who are going through the very same thing that I'm going through. You guys, this is the way Christ comes to us in Advent. 
Um, Annie's sitting over here who for years has been, I don't know how long you've been working with uh, the food bank, but it kind of came to us because we do something in our community. Why? Because it's not just a prayer of how long. There's someone that goes, I'm going to go create something. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to I'm gonna join this organization, become a part of it. And then she's here in our community kind of championing that and reminding us this matters. People still are hungry. And you, you want to know anything that Christ will be present in? What does he say? When you fed me. When you clothed me. Right? These are the things that Christ is present to us. And then Tom, sitting right over here, works with people in prison. That's the other thing. You came and visited me in prison. So, yes, we can ache for the things in the world and back away and shy away. Or we could take that pain and that ache, find healing, beginning to move toward wholeness, and then in some beautiful way be creative with it that doesn't just make a difference in our own heart and our own lives, but might make the world a better place. This is what Advent is all about. Um, okay, I'm just going to say this. And this, you're going to say, George, you are getting off the hook on this. But uh, today's sermon, I'm going to leave it completely unresolved. You go, that's wonderful for you to say. You didn't do your job today. No. This Advent season should be a season of feeling a little bit unresolved. Because the truth is, that's the way a lot of our lives feel. Unresolved. And we need presence. We need answers. We need God to come to bear. We need God to rend the heavens in some way and meet us exactly where we are, exactly as we are, and do, do his best work in us. So this is going to feel a little bit unresolved, but hang, hang with me. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to Christmas Eve. But I want to read to you this passage out of Romans chapter 8. And this is out of the Message Bible. And I want you to find just one thing in here that maybe you identify with and go, I'll hold on to this. This is my prayer in this Advent season. But Paul, speaking about the season of waiting and longing, he says, all around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are, are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We are also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and bearing, barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. I'm going to read that again. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We're hoping that in this struggle, in this longing, in this pain, Something good is coming out of it. Okay, go on, John. Um, we are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, do not see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. If we don't know how or what to pray, it does not matter. God's Spirit does our praying in and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs and of our aching groans. So, where this helps me and maybe where it helps you, and Nick, if you, want, if you guys want to come up, um, they're going to lead us in a prayer uh, through a song. And, uh, and then, like I said, the Joneses are going to come up on behalf of all of us, and they're going to light this hope candle. 
Um, but when they light this candle, would you all with me see hope a little differently? Would you see hope not just in situations and circumstances being exactly as we would hope them to be? What if we could find hope exactly as things are? And it's actually awakening to that that is more helpful for change in ourselves or in the world around us. What if we saw hope finding our hearts even in the ache of waiting and longing? Um, that's what they're going to light this candle on behalf of because that's what God does in the world. That's what God does in our hearts. That's what Christ began 2,000 years ago, and it's still happening today. We just have to be reminded of it along the way. So let's sing, and then I'll come up and we'll do a benediction. But you guys could stay seated for this. Um, the secret of waiting of this is that you would have faith to believe that a seed has been planted in you, in the world around you in some way. Like there is no human being that I would be hopeless about. I just wouldn't. Because I think there is a seed planted in every human being that's worthy of trusting in, um, that can grow. But you have to believe that something's begun already. And Advent is, is being reminded that something has begun in you, in the world around us, in us together here. We, that, that's what waiting is all about. And Christian community, let me say this, is waiting together and affirming that in one another. We can't do that without someone else going, I know you don't see it. When I look at my friend's Nick through the pain, I go, he's enlarging. And he doesn't even see it. Like, he's becoming a more beautiful human being. Um, when I look at many of you in some struggle that you're going through, and we see it in others, we just can't see it in ourselves. So we need, we need each other's help. But would you just for a moment... Um, just rest right now in the fact that Christ has come and you can expect that that presence of Christ for you will make a difference if you'll continue to trust and believe that that seed can grow.